Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I am here with Howard Tybal. Hello, sir. Hey, Pete. How are you today? Doing very well. How are you? How's the weather in, uh, in Portland? Don't stop. Don't. You know this is the time of year not to even mention the weather. All right. Well, it's not any better here. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, we, you know, we're here. We're This is part three of what I think has become one of my favorite uh, mini-series that we've done. This this conversation about the Administrative and Academic Review uh, that that you were a part of at Loyola University, Maryland. And of course, part one was with uh, the uh, gracious VP of Finance, Randy Gensler. Uh, part two with a professor and co-chair of the uh, Phase two committee, Steve Fowle. Uh, both of those episodes are in our podcast feed. We encourage you to go back and, and listen to those in preparation, in particular for this episode with our very special guest, Vice President for Administration and co-chair of the Phase two committee of this project, Terry Sawyer. Terry, welcome to Navigating Change. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you both. I, uh, I I think uh, you know maybe Howard, would you kick us off with just a little bit of a recap as we as we uh, bring Terry into this conversation? I, I think there are some really important topics in, in here around the idea of the model that uh, that Loyola chose to go with, and and I'm very excited to talk about this idea of balancing academics and finance in in this area of really difficult conversations. I think you have a really interesting perspective on on uh, on this as the outsider of the group. Can you get us started? Absolutely. Uh, and I'm really excited about having Terry in this conversation because Terry and Steve really uh, brilliantly co-led this project. And, and, you know, Terry will have a chance to talk a little bit about some of the things that really made this effective. The thing that really struck me about Loyola and, and to, your, to the earlier podcast we did about partnership, you know, I, I think in the last podcast you and I did, Pete, we talked about what it means to partner effectively with an institution. And I'll tell you, this was one of the better partnerships in in my career, just because they knew how to use our services. And at the same time, they had a vision for where they wanted to go. And they were willing to actually go down tracks they had not gone down before. You know, usually senior leaders, uh, it's a top-down approach, and they were very clear they were willing to really have this be an inclusive process. And I think that through Terry and Steve's leadership and their collaboration together and getting to know each other and then lead, they were able to take this down a path where at the end of the day, after some very tough decisions got made, they they were in a position where there was very negative almost no negative output from the community saying this was not a project that had integrity, which was a concern. I mean, I can tell you, we're on projects right now where there, there's a faculty skepticism. So, 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 Terry, I'd love to get your perspective after having heard from Steve, really talking about sort of the academic perspective, uh, you going into this project and some of your vision and some of the things that you saw from a process standpoint as you were doing it, some of the things that, that benefit Loyola they, that you think some of our listeners would benefit from. I think this really all started, or if we want to claim success, which I think there were many things that we could point to to say this was a successful initiative, is the first thing I would point to is, is the leadership from the president. And while that wouldn't be surprising, or you, you might see that at other institutions that do exercises like this, the way our president chose to lead was very different. What he did was... He 
he set the stage with a level of directness in his tone and in his and in his remarks about the fact that while we are not necessarily in a crisis at Loyola, we are on a path that is not um, uh, sustainable, and that our business model, if not addressed and changed, uh, is is not going to be sustainable in the future. And he was really direct and really pointed to some very specific data points that everyone in the community could understand and say, you know what, we're being able to look under the hood at the institution and see how it runs. And it was just undeniable that he made a very compelling case to say, if we don't do things differently, we are not going to continue to be successful and that we all have a responsibility to be part of that solution. So he did that eloquently and very directly and really struck that balance of creating urgency but not panic. So for me, that was sort of number one in terms of why things were successful and with, with, specifically with regards to the process. That seems sort of mer- miraculous, Terry. I mean, when you look at, at the cultural uh, impetus for change, we as human creatures are notoriously good at ignoring clear and present danger uh, when presented in not a crisis. Well, Pete, I mean, you raise a great point, and we worried about whether we could do that. And we were there were folks when, as we were sort of rehearsing how we were going to lay this out that said, "You were going to create a panic on campus," or uh-huh. others that say, "They're not going to believe you. They're going to say, you know what? Yeah. We've heard this before. It's fine. It'll balance out." And I don't know what you want to call it, divine intervention, the, st- the stars aligned, eloquentia perfecta, which is something the Jesuits like to talk about. <laughs> um, but whatever it was, Father Lenain was able to hit that very right chord where we, you know, panic was not right, but there was definitely urgency. And it was enough to create that platform that we needed for people to act. You know, and what we talked about with Steve, and, and I'm sure you this um, resonates with you, Terry, is that the president stepped in to provide leadership, but he truly did step back and let you two and the committee lead this project. Right. No, that's a great point. Yeah. The partnership, you know, the thing that strikes me mostly, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this is because I remember you and I would talk about this offline is having the academic co-leadership of this. And, And I can tell you that this was the first time we've done it at a level where we had the right academic at the senior level, uh, the faculty chair in, in this case, partnering with you and you're on the cabinet and, and he was not, but he was the right person to be in this role. And I'm always talking these days about it's fun. It's nice to have a committee. What's important to have is to have the right people on the committee. So talk a little bit about your partnership with your co-chair. Yeah, no, I absolutely will do that. Let me just uh, echo what you said, Howard. The the second thing that Father Lenane did as a president that was so effective was um, stepping back uh, and allowing the community to engage in an exercise that was sincere and authentic. And he really was not meddling, and the campus knew it and believed it, and uh, that gave real authenticity to the process. So the the thing about Steve, absolutely, it was the right move and the uh, a, a very essential step. We didn't know at the time, or at least I certainly didn't know, when the decision was because initially I was going to lead it alone. Um, and when when Father Lenain said, you know what, I think we should have co-chairs, and I think we should have someone from the faculty do it. Um, it didn't occur to me how essential and how smart a move that was at the time, but it became very apparent as we started to proceed. Um, And, you know, Steve was a person that had huge credibility with the faculty, uh, longevity, full professor, academic credentials, uh, very prolific, 
but was also a person that was very pragmatic, uh, understood better than I realized the business operation of the institution. I think serving as a chair uh, was very essential. But, you know, he's a theologian. This is not a, a professor from the finance department. Um, but really understood um, the changes of higher education and was not um, unnecessarily distrustful of the administration. I think he sort of understood that administrators have to do some things for the good of the institution that aren't always popular. And he had an appreciation for the work that we do. So when we started our discussions, there was mutual trust and respect that we didn't really know each other very well. I know Steve mentioned that in his, in his. Uh, we really didn't know each other at all, actually, other than to recognize each other, even though we had both worked at the same institution for 15 years to get um, at the same time. But it was obvious that we were both, uh, we both trusted each other. Uh, and that became apparent to the community that we were not working at odds while we live in completely different corners of the institution on a daily basis, um, we were there was a mutual respect, and I think that was obvious as we presented together, and I think that helped the process. So, so talk, talk a little bit a little bit about because I think this will be really interesting for people to hear this. Uh, what are some of the things the institution tackled or took on uh, that you know? And I can speak to this because I was a, a part of this. Is that you know you had ten working teams, over a hundred people engaged in an exercise of looking uh, under you know you could you could argue under every stone to say what does it mean for us to be uh, a better institution looking forward so so what are some things you know when you look back on this process uh, that you guys took on that may be helpful for others who are struggling with you know what are the things we should be looking at uh, could you share a few things about that Sure. You know, I think um, one of the first indicators that the president meant business when he said, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to direct this, the details of this process was when he allowed the steering group, which Steve and I led, and with your help, Howard, and you and Maureen were fantastic in helping us because we were really, you know, scared might be a strong word, but we had some anxiety about how are we going to tackle this? Where do we even begin? And, you know, but for the help of, of you guys, we'd probably still be in that room uh, up in the uh, fitness center where we locked ourselves in that Saturday when we uh, figured out what the working groups were going to be. That was step one. What are the topics? What are the general topics we're going we're gonna to discuss? And so you were really good about walking us through a discussion about what's changing in higher education. You know, what, what does our budget look like? Where do we spend money? Where can we save money? And so having discussions around things like graduate programs, Loyola did not know, and I was surprised to find out many institutions don't. We knew what the enrollments were. We knew what the revenues were, but we didn't know what the costs were to generate those revenues. So how can we make decisions about where to grow or where to pare back if we didn't have that information? So we started an exercise led by a faculty member. Uh, to say, can we create a model that really looks at the costs and the revenues associated with programs? Not to suggest, perhaps, that if you're losing money, you have to go, but to say, we should at least know this information, so is this a ship we can write? Is this something that we should consider because this isn't a major that's of interest to people anymore? Maybe there's not the market for it. Or maybe this is so critical to our mission, we're willing to accept a loss for these kind of programs. So that's something that continues to be explored at the institution and I think was a value and really important to understand why your budget is the way it is. Um, we did that also with undergraduate programs. Um, looking at majors, you know, it's a little bit difficult to construct 
uh, with undergrads, particularly when you have a large core like we do. But again, we ventured to create a model to say, this is how you can tell whether this department or this department is making money or losing money. And not that that's the sole thing that drives your decisions, but it should inform decisions about you know where you want to put your resources in the future. Um, we put our toe in the pool of online education for the first time. Loyola does, has not had in the past a significant present with regards to online, and we thought that, is there a way that we can do it with the same level of quality that people expect from Loyola University, particularly around graduate programs? So that was significant. We looked at the idea of what's our right size? You know, what size does Loyola want to be? Are we right-sized at 4,000 undergrads? Do we want to be 4,500, 5,000? What does that look like, and what does that do to our revenue model? If we get more revenue, with students, do we have to increase the operating expenses at the same rate? And what does that do to your total net revenue? So these were just some of the things that we looked at um, that ultimately yielded savings. And let me make one last one, uh, one last point. We we spend a tremendous amount of money on benefits and particularly healthcare. And so we looked at are there ways that we can still offer competitive benefits that are more cost efficient? So we're looking at consumer-driven health plans, or also known as high-deductible health plans. And that has really been of great interest to our population. It saves us money, and people like it. Um, so there's, uh, there's things like that that um, have ultimately uh, helped our bottom line and, and why I think the project was a success. That's fantastic. Uh, here's the other piece that I'd love your perspective on. Uh, you know, I, I came into this project, I remember meeting with the cabinet for the first time, and there was rightful in, uh, a skepticism, you know, partly because, you know, who is this consultant who's going to come in and, you know, give us the answers? They really don't know us and all that. And then in the end, this project started, and we had 100 people on, on these project teams. And one of the questions I've been asked uh, in other, uh, for other institutions is, very often, I mean, the historical way consultants have played a role in this is they go out and get publicly available data or we do surveys and we do benchmarking, we do peer analysis and we write a report and then we provide the report and the report then becomes a guide, for example, senior leadership. This is a very different approach. And, and I think it's an engaging approach that's powerful because it really demonstrates asking through the organization that you have a voice in this, which is great. But the concern institutions have in this is we've been living in this model that's been around for a couple hundred years. And wait a second, you're going to ask our people to reimagine who they want to be and do things differently. Uh, how do you get people to do that when they are in sort of in the thick of it, as opposed to having some, someone from the outside come in and say, this is what you should be doing? So what was your experience of these teams being able to navigate, in a sense, uncovering and then solving their own problems? Well, it is definitely the more time-consuming way to go about it, we found out. Um, it does take up a lot of personnel time, which I don't even venture to calculate what the cost of that would be. Uh, but I think ultimately, in the end, it was not only the best way to go, but for our community, the only way to go in this instance. Because we knew that we had to make some decisions that were going to be extremely difficult, if not painful. In fact, the first time that the president addressed the entire community in the State of the University address about this exercise, he used the word pain. He said, unfortunately, we are in a position where we're going to have to make decisions that may be associated with pain. And so 
when you make those when you have to make a decision of that level in my view it needs to be organic and there needs to be buy-in and if you can provide people with information to which or where when they when they review it the only reasonable conclusion you can come to is you have to do x or y then and and that may have pain associated with it reasonable people are going to come to that conclusion and we entrusted and i think people felt there was no one to blame that we, we we were entrusting people with the responsibility to solve some of these problems they genuinely cared about the institution and they realized that you know what unfortunately we do have to address the size of our workforce and that was really really hard and unfortunately as much as we like giving a very generous um contribution to retirement we can't afford to do that anymore it just doesn't work um, so it wasn't you, Howard Teibel or Teibel Inc. telling us this. It wasn't the mean administrators. It was the community doing a yes. self-assessment and saying, you know what? I, I get it now. I see it. You've let yes. me look at what's going on, and I understand now why we have to do this. And it's very hard to get angry. You might not like it, but it's very hard to get disenfranchised when, uh, or feel marginalized or, un, or not heard when we really let everyone come together and sort of, you know, play with these problems. You know, and I fundamentally believe, and I think you, your community demonstrated this, is that we don't need as much data as we think we need to be able to step back and make make some tough decisions. We do need data, We do, and but for the most part, we I mean, most institutions have some form of institutional research. There is a lot of data out there. There is probably historical data that's already been collected. But I think the mistake a lot of institutions make is thinking that the data is the answer, when in fact the data is a guide, and then we have to trust our instincts and then be leaders to move through this. And that's what was remarkable for me is that you guys continue to step up at all levels. The president, the co-chairs, the committee, the working group leads, and ultimately the, the combination of leadership and trusting one's instinct and being willing to take some risks is why, in my view, you guys are having your story right now is that we had a successful project. Yeah, I think that's right. And the other thing to give you credit, Howard, is that when you have that big of a group, you have 100 people working at, uh, on things, most of whom have never done this type of work before, you need a shepherd. And yeah. we did not want you, and you know this, uh, and we had some, you know, very frank conversations about what your role should yeah describe one of those those were yeah, yeah, fun. what i'm most curious about I he think. was yeah. kicking my butt let's let's be honest about this you cannot well, you, say that to faculty well can you remember any terry they were they were oh, well, they were yeah i think those are for another time maybe not for uh, <laughs> not for your audience but but no in all seriousness howard you know we we wanted it to be um it needed to be really obvious and we didn't want to give anyone any illusion that steve and i were not running this process that we Excellent. were not being sort of puppets um to the outside expert but yes. we would not have been able to do the work and we wouldn't have been able to get and this is where you helped us the most where we would go down dead ends and we couldn't figure out how to get back you uh were essential in that and we needed someone that could come in with outside eyes and say look this is how you need to approach this or some work groups that really had a hard time getting off the ground they needed some facilitated sessions to figure out how are they going to approach the task of looking at 
the administrative structure of the university. That was one of the groups. Where do you begin to look at the administrative structure? So I learned a great deal, Terry, from this, uh, mostly around really sort of putting, you know, my money where my mouth is, this idea that if I'm standing in front of faculty, uh, there is a certain way that they're listening. And I've always been aware of that. Uh, but I think you and Steve were willing to do something that most groups don't don't know how to do or don't really understand the delicate balance between we need to own this and Howard, we do not need you to get up and kick this off. And we don't need you to show some nine-dot exercise because that's not going to play with this group. And you raised my level of awareness. And in a sense, you were coaching the coach in how to work with our audience. And that is, if, if, if there's anything I would say to people out there that's invaluable for consultants is to be straight with us about what you need us to do more of and what you need us to do less of. And that's the kind of partnership that made it so satisfying for me. Uh, these, these, these kinds of projects, when they go well, everybody learns something. The process itself demonstrated to me and gives me even more confidence because of your success that these kinds of initiatives initiatives can work, that you can engage a broad campus community. I appreciate your honesty about the fact that it takes more time. Top-down decision-making is easier, but it doesn't produce buy-in. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm left with a great deal of appreciation, too, with, uh, with your candor. And I know the two of you had a ton of fun, like, putting me in my place. It, right? was, it was fun in retrospect, yes. It was fun. <laughs> yes. Eddie, um, so Pete, do you have any questions or comments? Well, you know, I feel like you answered it, but I just want to highlight one of my, you know, my bigger questions. And and uh, Terry, if you have any other reflection on it, I, I I feel like you've talked about it already a bit. With this idea that you are you were in sort of a unique uh, position, I think, um, just as Howard is kind of unique as sort of the outside expert working between divisions. You, as vice president of administration, that that role carries a certain amount of um, I I want to say baggage but we'll call weight in this mm -hmm. case, right? Yeah. And, and you're working you know right between the financial and administrative needs of the of the institution and the academic needs which are which are sort of manifested in Steve as your co-chair. He's the he's the professor, you know, he's already got this. And here um you know this idea of you having to balance uh, or, or be party to conversations that are particularly bent as administrative, when you're talking about staff reductions, when you're talking about, you know, cuts to retirement, those sorts of things. Um, I, I really, I feel like you've, you've told a, a really wonderful picture about a best case scenario uh, in, in which you don't, you manage not to get mired down uh, in, in the baggage of the role and that the campus community really rallied around these needs. I, I don't think we can underscore that quite enough. Um, and, yeah. and I'm speaking to you here as an academic myself. Um, and, yeah. and so that's a really powerful story. Well, Pete, I mean, you raise a great point. And, you know, I think, and look, I'm not at all want to send the, the signal that, that 
everyone thinks that everything was handled perfectly. I mean, I don't want to be Pollyanna about it in any way, but I, but I do believe that, that it is fair to say that this was a successful initiative and that most people, in fact, I was just at a meeting the other day where a faculty member said that they felt that it that had been here for a while, that, that the, the New Way of Proceeding initiative was the most comprehensive, inclusive initiative that Loyola had ever undertaken in his relatively long tenure. And I think... Um, you know, as I said, I think Father Lenane being willing to take a step back. I also think, who I know you had earlier on your show, um, Randy Gensler as the chief financial officer, being able to sort of step back and allow people to poke around in things that are typically his turf uh, was very, very, uh, first of all, showed great leadership, great humility and trust on his part to be able to let you know, other folks like academics poking around on cost-benefit analysis and or cost-revenue analysis and, and things that would typically fall within his purview. And that gave authenticity to the process. I also think that, you know, I was honored and humbled to be asked to um, to lead this. And I think the reason why I was chosen to do it is because um, my view has always been that I'm not smart enough to be clever and be anything but completely painfully honest. So I think they knew that um, I would just be really direct about what we were trying to do and not hide the ball. And we had to talk a lot about this. I mean, we did a lot of communication. We went into this thinking, if this is going to work, we need to over-communicate. Everyone needs to know what's going on at all times. And so Steve and I both are pretty much straight shooters, and I think people appreciated the fact that they're giving it to us straight. They're not. They're, they're being honest. And some of the things we had to say and talk about were really difficult, but we let people disagree with us. We And we, we stood there and we took it. And we sometimes had to agree to disagree at the end of the day, but it was an honest process. And I think even people that didn't like it would have to say that there was, uh, that it was a genuine, honest, open process. You know, the last couple of episodes, um, you know, talking with, uh, as you say, Randy and Steve, uh, I have made the mistake of saying uh, without qualification, it appears that you have actually uh, gone so far as change the culture in the way you, you change the culture of participation at Loyola. And both of these fine gentlemen have corrected me and said, we're changing, we're changing. We're changing. We're changing. We're changing. And I, I think that is absolutely fair. I recognize that this is a uh, this is a motion that is in process. Um, right. But I wonder if you could reflect uh, on your own perspective a little bit about how you see Loyola as changing as a result of going through this exercise. Yeah. I think we recognize that. So a couple ways I think we've changed. Number one, I think the community at large uh, understands that the world of higher education is changing. The world of the world in general is changing and that we have to be adaptable and that there may be some things that we hold sort of near and dear to our hearts about what higher ed is and what Loyola is that that may have to change as well. So I think there is a greater understanding around that where before I think there was this mindset among many that we were somehow immune from these from these uh, these changes in the in, in the world and in, in the higher ed space. Um, secondly, I think that, uh, as you've indicated, has been pointed out before, we've taken a good step towards um, having trust uh, and mutual trust between the different constituencies at a university. You know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, so naive to think that there won't always be sort of healthy tensions between faculty uh, and, and the administration and staff. But I think we showed that we can work together um, that fac I think administrators learned that faculty have tremendous contributions to the running of the institution that go beyond just teaching in the classroom. And I think that the faculty learned 
that administrators can be straight and can be honest and do have the best interests of the institution in mind and sometimes have to make decisions that are really difficult. So again, I don't think that we're, we're, we're completely in this um, euphoric place, but at the same time, this utopian, but I think that um, I think that we didn't make a very positive step towards uh, having a, a, a better community. That's, that's fantastic. And that, you know, I think that's a great way to end this, too, because I think between the stories that Randy told, the tor- stories that Steve told, and, uh, and your stories, Terry, really paint a picture of what it means to collaborate at the senior level, take ego out of it, and, and really work towards a common goal. And it, it, it tells a story, so many different important stories, from leadership from the top towards this idea of engaging from the bottom up. So I just want to personally thank you for for um, one bringing me into this because I learned a ton from working with you and also um, and being willing to be on this podcast and do this and I, my hope is that you and I can continue to tell the story publicly well that would be great Howard and Pete it was both great being with you it was uh, great being with both of you and uh, Howard you uh, and your group were fantastic cannot thank you enough we too learned a lot from you all uh, and we owe you a debt of gratitude for uh, the, the the great uh, work that you did with us. That that was that was really nice, Howard. You should frame that. Howard, you told me to sound sincere when I said that last. <laughs> it worked, man. Okay, good. Awesome, awesome. This is this has been a real treat, Terry. Thank you. It's a, a perfect way, as Howard said, to wrap up this series. I think it's a it's a, a tremendous uh, testament to what you all have gone through, uh, and look forward to seeing great success from Loyola. Um, Howard, do you have any other uh, comments or insights for the people this week as we wrap up? No, just. You know, look for you know, look for Terry and I on the road. We're gonna get we're gonna think we're gonna get a minivan and we're gonna name it something, Terry, and we're gonna take the show take the story on the road, aren't we? Can't wait. I think it will be to sell out crowds, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it'll be like the movie Chef, but we'll call it something yeah. else. <laughs> I'll look forward to that. Fantastic. Well, hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining us for this final uh, uh, part of our conversation uh, on uh, the administrative and academic review process at Loyola. Uh, you can find out more about this show at tybalink.com. You can uh, uh, subscribe to the podcast for free. Just search for Navigating Change in the iTunes Store or your podcast directory of choice. And uh, on behalf of Terry Sawyer, Loyola and Howard Teibel. I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Teibel Inc. <laughs>